here's what, here's what I believe about this, uh, this series and what we're going to be talking about over the next, next uh, four weeks or so. I think there are going to be some of you that have questions that are going to be answered over the next four weeks. Especially, I think, for, for some of you that maybe find yourself new in your faith. Uh, maybe you haven't been a Christian all that long. You're, you're new to following Jesus. You're trying to figure this thing out in, in a lot of ways. And so you have a lot of questions, and, and, and all of us do, I think. But um, maybe you, you feel like you've got a whole lot more. And so my, my hope is that over the next four weeks as part of this series, that you're going to have a lot of those questions answered. I think there's, on the flip side of that, I think there are some of you, maybe even some of you that have been a Christian for a while, that maybe this series and what we're going to talk about is going to ask of you some healthy questions that maybe you haven't been thinking about. Maybe some questions that you haven't really thought about or maybe you've kind of dismissed them or whatever that's going to cause you, in a, in a good way, to cause you to begin to ask those questions about life and about the life that you're living. But my hope is that for all of us, that it will challenge us to the point that we find ourselves more in love with Jesus and more committed to the life that Jesus is calling us to. So regardless of where we find ourselves in the moment, that's my hope by the end of the series and all throughout is that that will push us to that point where we'll find ourselves more, more in love with Jesus and more committed to him. So the series is called Follow, right? So I don't know what you think about when you think of the word follow, what definition you would give, but here, here's kind of the definition for follow. All right, dictionary.com helped us out. So here it is, to accept as a guide or a leader, to conform to, to comply with, or to obey, or the third definition, to imitate or to copy. So when we talk about follow, as we start this series, that's, that's kind of the, the definition that we're talking about. That's a lot of what we're going to be pushing ourselves toward, is that definition that, that we're given. Now here's the thing, I think we all, the truth is we all follow someone, all of us follow someone. The question that I want to start out asking for all of us is, who is it that you follow? Because the truth is, we all have, if we look at these definitions, we all have people that we would, we would follow. We have people that we conform to. We have people that we look at as a leader in our life. We look at people and we do what they say. We try to imitate their life or the things that they're doing. We even have people that we would say that we are in allegiance to, right? That we want to pattern or model our life after. And so the question is, who are they? So the easy thing to kind of transition to is social media, right? So if you find yourself on the platform of Twitter or Instagram, right, we follow people all the time. So you, how many followers you got, and that somehow determines how valuable you are, right? Or in, in some ways, we even tie our identity to those things. How big of a deal we are on social media. Who are those people that we follow, right? Turn that button blue or whatever, whatever that saying used to be, right? So that's, that's kind of like what we think about when it comes to social media. So this week, I was looking at what are the most followed people on some of the the, uh, social media platforms, all right? So first up, here's Twitter. And you can't really see the top one, but that's Katy Perry. All right, so this is is fairly recent. So we got Katy Perry, the Beebs is second. Uh, Former President Barack Obama is third. You got Taylor Swift, who just came out of hiding. So she's back, thank the Lord, right? Our lives can go back to normal. Taylor Swift is back. 
You got Rihanna, you got Ellen, Lady Gaga, YouTube. That's, that's kind of the, the strange one on there. You got Justin Timberlake. They're on there like, Justin, is so good. And whatever else is after that, right? You got the Kardashians are on there like, what the heck? Why they're, why they're being followed? Don't know. What, what exactly do they do? Um, all right, but the ironic thing about that, if you look at the majority of them, they're all entertainers, right? With the exception of, of um, President Obama and YouTube. Uh, YouTube's an entertainment thing. So with the exception of President Obama, they're all entertainers, which means the people that we follow on, at least on Twitter, we're not going to them because, you know, we're looking for any value or great, you know, wisdom or anything like that. Maybe we are, but we're, we're going because we want to pattern our lives after those entertainers. We want a glimpse into their lives. All right, so here's, here's Instagram. Go ahead and put that up. So Instagram, ironically, is the most followed Instagram. Uh, you got Selena, you got Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, Beyonce. There's a Kardashian, good Lord. You got Ronaldo, at least we got a sports person in there. Kylie is in there. There's the Beebs again, The Rock. And then Kendall. How in the crap are there three Kardashians in the top 11? They're awesome. I love them so much. They have such a huge contribution to society. We're so thankful for all the wisdom that the Kardashians give us. All right, so here's the deal. So same kind of thing, right? So that's Instagram. A lot of entertainers, a lot of people that we look up to. They're the most followed. Um, Just for Facebook's sake, right, what is the most followed Facebook person? Here is the, the people that are really on Facebook now. It's really just your, your moms. They're the only people on Facebook now. Some of our leaders are upset right now. What? I'm on Facebook. You take that back. All right. Nobody's on, fa- nobody's on Facebook. Nobody cares. So that gives you a little bit of an idea, right? Just some of, the, um, some of the social media platforms. But why is it, why is it that we follow those people? Because, for a lot of reasons, right? They are, because they're cool. That's the decision that we make. Or because they're a part of our lives, because we care what they have to say for whatever reason. Uh, in a lot of cases, we find ourselves wanting to pattern our lives after those people. Or after the other people that we follow, even if they're not entertainers or famous people. And with each, here's the crazy thing. With each post that they make, what they're trying to do is influence their followers to do certain things. So in, for entertainers' sake, they're trying to, in a lot of cases, trying to get them to be aware of what they believe in, be aware of their causes, or even really get them to buy their stuff. But they're trying to influence those people that are following them to do things that they want them to do. So here's the question. Who is it, not necessarily on social media, but in life, who is it that you're following? Who is it that you are allowing to influence you? And are they worthy of being followed? Are they even worthy of having the power in your life to influence you. Now think about that for just a minute. Are the people that you follow, are they worthy enough to have influence in your life? To have the power to dictate 
decisions that you make and things that you say and do. Now, as it translates to our relationship with God, you don't have to answer, just think about this question. Would you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? Do you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? Do you even know really what that means? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What is it, what is it exactly that Jesus wants of his followers? I read a, a, um, an article this week that, that said that a lot of Christian teenagers, what they believe about Jesus is that Jesus simply wants them to do good and to feel good. Like if it means following Jesus, that's essentially what they believe Jesus wants from them, to do good and to feel good. So is that it? Is that really all that Jesus is after? Or is there something more to it? Is there something more that Jesus wants from those people that claim that they are followers of him? Because here's the thing. When, when I was, in a lot of cases, when I was your age, when I was younger in my faith, I felt like what Jesus wanted for me, right? If I was a follower of Jesus, he wanted me to go to church. He wanted me not to cuss, right? That was kind of a big deal, right? If, if I'm going to love Jesus, that means I don't cuss, and, and it means that I'm just going gonna, gonna to be good. Like, I'm going to do good things, do right things. And that was, in essence, what, what I kind of thought for a, a large period of, of my life, thought what a follower of Jesus meant. But the truth is, what, what being a follower of Jesus means is the same definition that we gave earlier. It means that if we are followers of Jesus, we are conforming our lives after him. It means we are in, a, in allegiance to Jesus, that we are giving him control, that we are walking in obedience to whatever it is that Jesus wants from us. So if that's the case, if that's what Jesus is after, then we've got to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus? What is it that Jesus is after? And are we in total allegiance to what Jesus is asking of us. The crazy thing is when, if, if you look at people in the Bible, when they started following Jesus, I'll be honest with you, maybe you can agree with me on this. It seems like it's vastly different than, than our reaction now. So when, when Jesus was walking the earth and he starts inviting disciples, hey, follow me, it seems like their reaction to Jesus was, was very similar they were leaving their families. They were leaving their profession. They were giving up, leaving their lives in general, and they were dropping everything and following after him. So there's so many stories, especially when it comes to the disciples, when, they were, when he said, hey, come follow me, and they dropped what they were doing, and they started following after him. They were leaving everything. In other words, they were surrendering something. And so if we're going to give definition to what it means to follow Jesus, here's the, fir the first thing kind of that we're going to focus on tonight. Following Jesus means surrendering to Jesus. If we're going to follow Jesus, it means we surrender to Jesus. Now, surrender is, is like a, kind of one of those military terms that really means to, to give up our, the rights to or to give up control over to a higher authority. Right? That's, that's what surrender means, to give up somebody's rights to somebody else. 
So when it comes to surrender, that's what, that's what Jesus is wanting of us. Now here's what I want to do, kind of give a little bit of an illustration. I think when it comes to following Jesus and when it comes to our surrender, I think all of us find ourselves in one of three chairs. All right, we all find ourselves in one of these positions. No matter who we are, no matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, whether we're walking with Jesus right now, no matter how much Christian knowledge we have, how, how long we've been coming to church, any of that, it doesn't matter. All of us find ourselves in one of these three chairs. Here's the first chair. The first chair is the person, when it comes to surrender, that surrenders nothing. Now, the, the reality is all of us start off in this chair. We all, at some point, we all start off here. The people in this chair, here's what it means for them. It means they are, like all of us start out, just thinking about their own life. What, is, what do I want from, from my life? What's going to make me the most happy or the happiest? What's going to make me the most satisfied? What's going to give me the most satisfaction and joy in life? And so the people that sit in this chair that surrender nothing, they are, they have their selves at the center of their life. What's in it for me? What's in my best interest? What, and so everything that they do is going to be through the mindset of how is this going to benefit my life? And so this person Maybe they have plans. Maybe they have dreams. They have goals. They know what they want to accomplish. And so they've got a, a really tight grip on their own life. Now, the ironic thing is, there are people that sit in this chair that could love Jesus. There are people that sit in this chair that could be Christians, that have received the forgiveness that Jesus offers, that have put their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. So they could love Jesus, but they're never going to be willing to love Jesus more than other things. So they're going to make every decision that they're going to make in their life through the, the mindset, the lens of what's in it for me. And so when it comes to Jesus, people that sit in this seat, they, they're interested in Jesus. And they're thinking kind of the, the same thing. Hey, Jesus, how is it that what you're offering me can benefit my life and get me further down the road. So Jesus, I'm open to what you have to say. I want some of the things that you're offering. That's the person that sits in this seat. And again, just to, to kind of paint the picture and really just to, to kind of allow all of us to take a deep breath. I'm not casting judgment on anybody because all of us start out in this, in this seat. So we have our life and what we want and our dreams and if Jesus falls in line with that then great then that makes our life better but if we find ourselves that what we want and what Jesus wants are different then all of a sudden we're not willing to sacrifice or do what Jesus wants because we're committed to what we want now there were a lot of people that followed after Jesus that sat in this seat there were people that Jesus, early in his ministry, he attracted a crowd. He was performing these miracles. He was healing people. And so there were naturally people that surrounded him and said, Hey, Jesus, what is it that you can do for me? 
So there were a lot of people that thought, Jesus, I got this problem. I'm looking for you to solve it. Or Jesus, I've got this disease. How can you heal it? Or Jesus, I've got this issue or this situation. What is it that you can do for me to make my life better? And so this was a lot of people that followed after Jesus. And so Jesus knows this. And so he says some very interesting things to people in, um, in, in, that were in this chair. So in Luke chapter 9, here's what he says in verse 23. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? Now here's the interesting thing. Jesus is, is talking to this crowd and he says something that's actually kind of harsh. But he's, he's kind of drawing a line in the sand to a certain extent and saying, all right, there's a lot of people now that you're interested in what I can do for you, but here's what I'm really after. If you want to follow me, you've got to get out of this seat. You've got to be willing to surrender, give up your selfish ways. You've got to take up your cross daily. Now understand, in that context, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. So it doesn't mean the same thing that what you and I think now. So when, people, when the crowd heard that, they're going, take up your cross daily. What, what in the world does that mean? Because all they think of is the Roman form of torture. The way that the Romans killed people. It's like if Jesus came today and said, hey, take up your electric chair and follow me. It's just weird. But he says, if you want to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you're willing to give up your life, you will save it. So the interesting thing after this, after Jesus says statements like this, those sitting in this chair stopped following him. They gave up. All of a sudden, what Jesus was asking of them cost way too much. Because up to this point, they were interested in how Jesus could benefit their life. But now Jesus is telling them to give up their life. And that's not something that they were willing to do. Now, the reality is, there are some of us, maybe even a lot of us, that find ourselves in this chair tonight. We're interested in what Jesus can offer us. Maybe you've come to church tonight to go, all right, I want to see how Jesus can benefit my life. How Jesus can make my life better or happier. And there's a lot of us that have kind of that mindset. But the truth is, if if following Jesus costs us anything, then we're out. Because we're not, Jesus to us isn't really worth that. That's the first chair. Here's the second chair. Hey-oh. The second chair is the person that is willing to surrender some things. So they're, they're a leg up on, uh, on the person in this chair. They're willing, they understand what it is that Jesus is asking of them. They, they understand that Jesus is wanting and asking surrender. And so they're willing to do that, at least for the most part. So they're, they're willing to give up the parts of their life, especially the ones that are easiest to give up. 
So you're thinking, well, Jesus, yeah, all right, if you want surrender, yes. Yeah, so let me think, all right, what's, what's the least amount of sacrifice? Okay, yeah, God, Jesus, I'll give you this, and I'll give you this, and you can have this area of my life, and that's not going to cost me that much. Man, I don't really care about that area of my life. So yeah, Jesus, here you go. Here are some of the areas of my life. You can have these. But the person sitting in this chair is constantly trying to compromise and barter with God. All right, so Jesus, you can have this. But Jesus, just come on, let, let me hang on to this. Like, I, I, really, I really enjoy this part of my life. I, I really like having control over my relationships. God, I, I re- honestly, I really love just doing my own thing when it comes to this area of my life. And so you can have all of this, but just, it's not really that big of a deal. Like, just let me hang on to this one area, these couple of areas. And it becomes one of those things where we're trying to have this conversation and make a deal with Jesus. So if it's that relationship, and it's this relationship, I enjoy this. Like, just let me have fun with this person. It's not really that big of a deal. Jesus, I've, I've given you all this other stuff. Just let me hang on to what I do on the, on the sports field. And do I really have to make this area about you? Can I just make it about me? Can it just be about me a little bit? And so this person is willing to surrender, but they're only willing to surrender to a certain extent. They're willing to follow Jesus, but. There's always a but. Again, Jesus had people that sat in this chair that followed after him. He had people that were willing to, hey, Jesus, yeah, cool, man, I'll follow you. Yeah, it looks like you've got some great things going on. So yeah, but hey, you know, first let me do this. So again, in Luke chapter 9, same chapter, later on in verse 57, it says, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. In other words, are you sure you understand you're ready to fully commit and surrender to me? Then Jesus said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and to preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, we look at that and we go, man, Jesus, lighten up. What's the big deal? Like, this guy wants to go bury his father. Is that that big of a deal? This guy's like, he wants to go say goodbye to his family. Like, why are those that big of excuses? But see, Jesus knows the heart of people. And Jesus knows that that's exactly what those are. They're excuses. What those people are doing is giving reasons why they're not ready to fully surrender to Jesus. So Jesus, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do that, but first. And maybe there's some of us in the room that have, have found ourselves doing that. All right, Jesus, I know, ah, I know what you want from me. All right, so I'll, I'll give you all this, but man, just let me hang on to this area. Or yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first, man, I, I'm in high school. Let me just have some fun now. Let me just enjoy my friends. Let me just enjoy this time. I'll get serious about you later on in my life. 
So we're willing to follow Jesus, but there are conditions tied to it. And the truth is, Jesus says, you can't follow me like that. As long as you're only willing to surrender some things, you might as well be sitting in that first seat. Then there's the third chair. Now, you might understand where I'm going with this. So th- this, this third chair is the person that they get it. They surrender everything. Not only do they understand what it is that Jesus is asking of them, but they are willing to do what Jesus is asking. Now, understand something very important. The people who sit in this chair do not sit here because it's easy. In fact, a lot of people may have spent time in that chair and then this chair and then eventually got to this chair. But you don't get to this seat by accident and you don't get to this chair because it's easy. Because the truth is, it's not easy to sit in this chair. But the people who end up sitting in this chair understand that following Jesus is more important than anything else, even their own life. And they're willing to take that step and walk in obedience and surrender and turn control of their lives over to Jesus. They have the mindset that Paul talks about in Galatians 2.20. Here's what he says. He says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the person that's sitting in this seat understands that they have turned their rights of their life and everything that they may want. They've given control over to Jesus. And they're not putting restrictions on it and they're not putting conditions on it. They're simply saying, Jesus, I've thought this through and you are worth following. And so God, whatever it takes, whatever it means, God, my life is yours. I'm following you. Now understand, the person that sits in this chair, their life is drastically different than those who sit in these two chairs. Because the people that sit in these two chairs, like I said, they may eventually, hopefully, God willing, they get to this point. But a lot of them, they may stay in those places. And so the people sitting in those chairs will spend their lives making it about themselves. And honestly, they may have a a pretty good life. They may make a pretty good amount of money, and they may be happy in a lot of seasons of their life. But understand, it's temporary. And the best that they can experience in their life is whatever they can make for themselves. And at the end of the day, the people that sit in those two seats miss out on the abundant life that Jesus is offering the people who sit here. But the person that sits here is in for a wild ride. And it's a crazy life. 
And there are a lot of difficult moments. And there are a lot of tough decisions where you come to these crossroads and you're like, God, I really want this. But Jesus, I know you're asking me of this, asking this of me. And so there are a lot of moments, and it is not just a one-time decision you make and you're sitting in this seat. The truth is, it is a day-by-day thing. God, today, my life is yours. God, today, my life is yours. But what they end up finding out is that this abundant life that Jesus has offered really is worth everything. And they start to experience all the incredible things that Jesus has to offer. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I feel like I've spent different seasons, different parts of my life in all three of these chairs. I mean, I, I found myself sitting in this seat. A lot of times through high school and even, even found myself other times just going, you know what? No, Jesus, I, I, want, I want this. I want to hang on to this. Where I've decided that what I want is more important than what Jesus wants. And then as I, I've grown in my faith and started to understand a little bit more, I've, I've found myself also in, in times where I've, I've been in this seat where I've, I've tried to reason with God and try to, to barter with him and try to make a deal with him and go, all right, Jesus, I'll give you all of this stuff, but, or Jesus, I'll follow you now, but first let me do this. And then by God's grace, I'd like to think, although I don't know how true it would be, but I'd like to think that I've spent more time in this seat in my life than I have in those other two. And it's only by God's grace that I've been able to get to this seat where I've started to understand what it is that Jesus wants of me and that it's worth it. And I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't know how often I've, I've, I've talked necessarily about this, but probably the biggest area that I've seen it is in what I do now. Because the truth is, if I didn't get to this seat, I would never be the high school pastor at Westridge Church in Dallas, Georgia. There are times in my life, especially when I was in high school, college, where I, what Jesus wanted and what I wanted were starting to go in different directions. And there were painful, difficult moments where I had to go, no, Jesus, but I, I want this. And I knew Jesus was saying, yeah, but that's not what I want for you. What I want for you is this. I even had a moment believe it or not, where I would tell people when I was in college that I would never be a pastor to students. Where I would get up every week and speak to students. Like, I, I would literally tell people that in college. What's your major? Oh, student ministry. Yeah, but, but I'm not going to be a high school pastor at a church somewhere. Like, I would literally tell people that. Which is very ironic 20 years later when I look back and Jesus is like, yeah, remember that time when you told people that you wouldn't do this? And there are just those crossroads, those moments where Jesus is going, look, I'm not going to force you into anything. But are you going to decide that what I'm offering for you is better than what you could make for yourself? And the amazing thing is I'm able to sit here now doing the thing that I promised people I would never do, and I have no regrets whatsoever. I don't look back and 
man, ah, I blew that. Man, if I hadn't just followed Jesus, man, if I had just done my own thing. In those moments where I'm going, am I going to do what you want or what I want? When I surrendered fully to what Jesus wanted, and now I'm doing the thing that I swore I would never do, and I could never imagine myself doing anything else. I think sometimes we look at surrender as a negative thing. And that's only true if what we're giving up is worth less than what we're holding on to. But the truth is, no matter how great your dreams and plans are for your life, no matter what it is that you've got for your life, no matter what great life you could create for yourself, it could never compare to the life that Jesus is offering you. And the only way that you're going to experience is not by sitting in one of those two seats, but by making the difficult decision every single day day to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And I have yet to meet anyone who has surrendered everything to Jesus who has regretted it. Who has looked back and gone, man, my life started going wrong when I surrendered everything to Jesus. I've never met that person. Now, I've met a ton of people who have said my life turned around for good when I surrendered everything to Jesus. So no matter how good your plans are for your life, they don't compare to God's plans for you. No matter how good you think your decision making is, it can't compare to the creator of wisdom. And no matter how great you think your life would be if you could just maintain control of it, the truth is it pales in comparison to how it would look if it was orchestrated by the one who controls all things. So following Jesus means we surrender our will, our plans, and our lives for something better. So what chair do you sit in tonight? When it comes to following Jesus and surrendering to him, what chair do you find yourself in? What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you're so sure is going to be better that if you hang on to it than if you turn over control to Jesus? Jesus is inviting us in to a relationship with him, to come and to follow after him. But in order to follow after him and experience the life that he has for us, we've got to be willing to give up the rights to ourselves. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you you don't make following you easy. God, there are so many people in this world and even so many, maybe so many of us in this room tonight that we're interested in what you have to offer but only up to the point that it costs us something. Or maybe we're willing to surrender certain things because we know that's what you want but yet we're trying to hang on to those areas of our life that we feel like we could do something better with. God, I pray 
that you would not only get us, give us a picture of what it looks like to live and surrender to you, but God, you would give us the grace and the strength to move down to that third chair and to surrender everything to you. God, that you would help us to understand that what you are offering us, the life that you have for us, when you invite us to follow you, is going to cost us everything. But God, in the end, the truth is we will gain so much more. So God, would you bring us to the place? God, I pray if there are students in the room who have never put their faith and trust in you as Savior, who have never admitted their sin, who have never admitted their need for you and received the forgiveness that you offer, God, that tonight that they would do that. That tonight that students would surrender their hearts and their lives and areas they've hung on to, to you. God, we love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen.